We're not just looking at eschatology, not just looking at the end times. We're also looking at what's next in our lives, what's next in our in our journey here. We're celebrating this month our 40th anniversary. Living Hope has been a church for 40 years. And the question we're asking is, what's the next 40 look like? Early on, the, the church understood that there was going to have to be hard work, there's going to have to be great sacrifice, and that we're going to have to depend on God. The stories that you'll hear over and over from our founders is we worked hard, we had to serve, we had to invite people, we had to bring people to Jesus and to, to come to worship, and, and we had to serve, we had to sacrifice financially, we had to be willing to, to give energy and emotion, and all the while they had to depend upon God. That's the way it always is. If you're going to do anything for God, it's going to require hard work. It's going to require sacrifice. And it's going to require a dependence upon God. That's always been true. It's true in our day today. It was true in the day of Joshua. God had called these people to take on this land. They were going to have to work hard. They were going to have to sacrifice. And they were going to have to depend upon God. Today we're going to see in our text what it is God is calling us to do and to be. There's two matters of fact that we need to understand, and there is a calling that we need to fulfill. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. This month we are walking through Joshua, the, the first chapter. Today we come to verse 6. So Sarah McDaniel is going to read for us. So Sarah, come on up. As she comes, let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And she's going to read for us verse 6, which will be uh, the verse that we draw instruction from today. Sarah, if you would read that for us. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. The word of God. Thanks be to God. I know that was quick. We're going to bring Sarah back and make her do Ezra or something at some point. But go ahead and, and be seated. I know you're used to reading whole chapters around here. But today it's just one verse. And, and I want you to think about that. Be strong and courageous. And then there's this mandate of what they are to do. What, what does it mean? to be strong? What does it mean to be courageous? Uh, what is it that, that we are to do? What is, what is real estate in Palestine and, and 3,100 years ago? What does it have to do with us today? Well, it has a lot to do with us. Uh, there's something that we need to see here. The Israelites, uh, they, they learned some important lessons along the way. They're now at a place where they're ready to go forward into the next 40 years, into the next generation. They learned that a man with a staff is far more powerful than uh, Pharaoh with an army when that man trusts in God. They learned that a man with a staff has more courage than even a Pharaoh with an army when that man trusts in God. And they saw what it looks like to depend on God and what it is to fail God. And so today I want us to see in this text two matters of fact so that we can get down to what it is God has called us to do. Uh, take note of this. this. These may surprise you, but this is biblical truth, and so it may require some thought. Understand this. Two matters of facts. Number one, strength comes to those who are weak. God tells Joshua, be strong. Now Joshua learned from Moses what real power is. Moses was told that, that he was the Savior. And so he tried to do it in his own strength, and he failed. He killed a man, and he, he then had to flee. But after he met God in that burning bush, he came back with a strength, a strength that went beyond human capacity. He came back with the strength of God. He came back confident, and he was strong, not because he was any more physically stronger, because he had any more greater influence, but simply because he came back trusting in the Almighty. And God is great. Amen? 
and he's strong and he is powerful. And so he was depending on him. And so there he had in that faith a great strength. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about. He, he wrote uh, to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How is that possible? See, when we think we're strong, we don't depend upon God. And when we don't depend upon God, we are weak. But when we acknowledge our weakness and we know that we can't do it and we choose to trust in God, then we have the power of God at work in our life. And it is then that we are strong. One of the things I admire about Martin Luther King Jr. was his unwillingness to depend upon human strength, human arms. He was depending upon and he was calling his followers to depend on the, the greatest power in all the world, love. God is love, and when that love is lived out, there is nothing more powerful. And we need to, again, afresh, hear the words of Martin Luther King Jr. There's two, two thoughts, two, two of his uh, famous statements that I want us to hear this morning. The first one is this. Nonviolence is the answer to the crucial political and moral questions of our time. The need for a man to overcome oppression and violence without resorting to oppression and violence. Man must evolve for all human conflict, a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such method is love. This is what he said when he received the Nobel Peace Prize. He's right. It is love. Love is the greatest power. Again, back to his words. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence. And toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. The chain reaction of evil, hate beginning hate, wars producing more wars, must be broken or we shall be plunged into the dark abyss of annihilation. Brokenness cannot heal brokenness. Our world is broken. Our government is broken. We, as humanity, we are broken people. Why? Because of sin. God created this world to be in harmony. God created the world we all want. A world where there is peace, where there is joy, where there is happiness, where there is life. The reason we don't have it is because of sin. Why? Why has this tragedy, these multiple tragedies, these upcoming tragedies that are about to befall our nation, even this upcoming week, why will they happen? One reason, sin. That sin creates brokenness. It creates death. It creates evil. It creates hate. And brokenness can't heal brokenness. So here we are with a God who's, who designed harmony, but we have sinned and now there's brokenness. Friends, we've got to be set free from this cycle of sin and brokenness, and only God can set us free. We have to repent of trusting in ourselves. We've got to repent of, of any kind of self-strength dependence. We must repent and turn away from it in whatever form it may take. And instead, we must believe in Jesus Christ. He alone can give us hope. His love alone can bring transformation, not only in a redemptive sense, but in a sense of common grace. It is His love lived out that will bring healing to our world and to our nation in particular. And if we will choose to repent and believe, repent of trusting in self, believe that God loved us so much that He came, took on human form, lived a holy life, died and has been raised, then we can pursue and recover God's design. And it is then that we will have strength. That's what it means to be strong. But he said more than that. He didn't say just be strong. He said be strong and courageous. So where does courage come from? Write it down. 
Courage comes to those who fear. Joshua learned what real courage looked like for Moses. See, before meeting God, Moses was not courageous enough to save the people of Israel. He tried to do it on his own terms, using the tools of brokenness by killing another man. And it created fear in him. He ran. He feared man. But having met God, he became courageous because rather than fearing man, he feared God. And that, that fear created in him a confidence. Isaiah knew this. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he sees God and he's scared to death as he should have been. He was overwhelmed and he chose to fear God and to repent and to believe. And that fear gave him life. And God gave him a promise in Isaiah 8.13. It's one we can hold to and know today. Do not fear anything except the Lord Almighty. He alone is the Holy One. If you fear Him, you need fear nothing else. He will keep you safe. If you do not fear God, you will have to fear everything else. You will have to fear what's going to happen to our nation. You will have to live with anxiety and fear about your job, about other people, about what's going to happen in the world. But if you fear God, you need fear nothing else. Because if you are God, you are in the hands of the Almighty and you never need fear. Oswald Chambers said it like this in his great devotion. The remarkable thing about God is that when we fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. You know, right now, people are on vacation. I love Instagram right now because of the beautiful pictures of people showing uh, mountainous views or, or that, that of the ocean. And these are beautiful things that renew our hearts because when we see them, we look at the vast beauty. But we also know in that ocean, in those mountains, there are critters that will kill you, right? And so we look at this vastness and we say, isn't it beautiful? But here's what we also know. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. So is God. To look at Him is to see beauty. It's to see power. It is also to see one who is dangerous. Why is God dangerous? Because He is the eternal righteous judge. He is He is God and is all-powerful. He is, he is a love that demands love. And what are we? We are a fallen people with limited power who have chosen to turn against love, and we've committed treason. And that's why there is hate. That's why there is bitterness and anger and death. And so we fear this holy, righteous, loving God because we are so unlike Him. But if we fear Him and we repent and trust Him and choose Him to follow Him, we need fear anything else. Here's the good news. If we will repent of trusting in ourselves and choose to trust Christ alone, we become the sheep of God's pasture. Jesus becomes our great shepherd. You know, sheep, sheep fear their shepherd. They see that rod. They see that step. They know what that's for, not just to protect them, but also to guide them. But here's what they know. When they are with that shepherd, they need not fear anything else. Psalm 23, is this your testimony? Can you say this today? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
he, he, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is this your testimony? Can you say today, I am not trusting in my strength. I am not trusting in my abilities. I am not trusting in the government to fix everything. I'm not trusting in some organization to do something I'm not willing to do so I can sit comfortably. I am trusting in the Lord God Almighty. I repent of my uh, willingness and my desire to trust in me. I repent of that. I will trust in Christ alone. I believe that he died for my sins, that he has been raised, and he is Lord of all, and I will now obey him. Him because I love him. I will pursue God's design. If that is true of you, then the Lord is your shepherd. Yes, you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, you will stand before your enemies. But even there, the Lord is with you. And he will prepare a meal for you right in front of your greatest threat. And you need not ever fear because if you fear God, you need not fear anything else. And if you fear God, then you have courage. If you're not depending on yourself, you have strength. And so here we have these two matters of fact. When we understand these two facts, we are liberated to fulfill our mission. What is our mission? Plainly spoken, God's mission for us, lead more people to anchor their life and hope in Jesus so that they can live hopeful and be helpful and make disciples too. The last part of verse 6 says to Joshua, You shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. I like the way Eugene Peterson says this. Verse 6, he says, Strength, courage, you are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. You're going to lead children of the living God. We are not called to live lives of passivity, and complaining. We Christians, we have a PhD in complaining. Oh, the government. Oh, the president. Oh, the Congress. Oh, this. Oh, that. Good grief. It's no wonder nobody wants to come to church with us. It's no wonder nobody wants to hear our gospel. It doesn't sound like good news to them. Because why? Because we're being passive. Listen, for those who are trusting in Christ, we have strength and courage, not because we're strong, not because we're courageous, but because we know the Mighty One, and because we fear Him, we need fear nothing else. And because He is in our hearts and in our lives, we can lead. Let me tell you what's going wrong in our world today. There's no leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. There is a leadership vacuum. And in a leadership vacuum, when leadership refuses to rise up, let me tell you what will. Tyranny. Whenever there is a vacuum of leadership, when there's a leadership vacuum, tyranny, which is no leadership at all, tyranny is, is, a, is a right-taking oppression of others. That's all tyranny is. Without true leadership, tyranny will always rise up. And so what are we seeing in our nation? We're seeing, the, we're seeing the tyranny of government. The tyranny of government. 
will, will remove our sense of responsibility and leave us with a sense of entitlement. If that doesn't describe America today, I don't know what does. A lack of responsibility and a sense of entitlement. Rather than leading and taking responsibility, our citizens have determined that they're going to not trust in God, they're going to trust in government. And I would not be surprised one bit if the currency, if the wording doesn't change. From a God we trust to a government we trust. You watch. Now, a place where there's no leadership, tyranny will rise up. Not just the tyranny of government, the tyranny of sin. The tyranny of sin will remove our sense of dignity and leave us with a sense of depravity. And that's what's happening in our world today. There's no, there's no longer any guilt. There's no longer any call to conviction, to, to any kind of commitment. Why? Because sin has, has the, the meaning has been lost on us. There is no sin. It's just whatever you feel. And whenever there is, there's no leadership calling us to what is true, the tyranny of sin will always take over. There, there, there will be no dignity. And that's what we've lost, friends. We've lost our human dignity. We do not value life. We must retain, we must recover a value of life. And the only way that's going to happen is through the life of Jesus Christ. Not everyone's going to become a believer, but the common grace of a community where there are those who believe in what life is will bring a blessing. And a lack of leadership, the tyranny of sin will take over, and so will the tyranny of anger. The tyranny of anger will remove our sense of humility and leave us with a sense of vengeance. Friends, God's people, hear me. We are called to lead. To lead more people to anchor their life and hope in Jesus. This means that we will have to talk to them about Jesus. Instead of going online and complaining about everything you don't like from the server of your restaurant to the President of the United States, we need to spend time pursuing and praying people who don't know Jesus. Friends, we got to stop complaining and start doing what's right. And the right thing to do in this world today is to be strong and courageous and to pursue God's kingdom purpose. Here's what I know. We are all tempted to pursue our own personal kingdom instead of God's kingdom. Let me ask you, if you were placed before a judge and jury today, would you be found guilty of pursuing God's kingdom over all else? You say, well, what kind of evidence would be brought against me? How do you spend your money? How do you spend the first part of your money and the first part of your week? Does the first part go to God, yes or no? Are your conversations, are they about Jesus? Could anyone take the last seven days of your life and convict you of trying to win someone else to Jesus Christ? Could you be convicted? Could you be convicted of talking about sports or the weather? Could you be convicted of complaining about the government or some other human institution? Friends, where are our commitments? What is it we've been called to do? Jesus said the last words, go and make disciples. Is it easy? No. Nothing worth doing is ever easy. It requires hard work and sacrifice and complete dependence upon God. And so I ask you, 
Are you a child of the King of Heaven? Is the Kingdom of God your purpose? We sang, we sang that beautiful song. We sang about being in the house of Zion. Is that your future? Let me ask you, are you bringing anybody along with you? Who is it you're right now praying and pursuing to make a disciple of Jesus? Who will you be bringing to worship with you in the next days and weeks? Is it hard work? You better believe it is. Is it going to require sacrifice? You better believe it is. You're going to have to work out schedules of when they're going to come, when you're going to come, where you're going to meet them, how you're going to talk to them, pray that I do a decent job and don't say anything goofy. Right? All those things, you're going to have to do that. And then afterward, talk to them, what did you hear? What did you learn? What did you see? Friends, let's just be real. The world is broken. And there's only one hope, and that's Jesus Christ. And either we're going to stand with him and share him, get the strength and the courage he gives, or we're going to sit idly by and complain about it and watch, watch a missed opportunity. Friends, we've got an opportunity in front of us. Let's take it. Let's take it. Let's ask God to give us the strength. Some of you need Jesus in your life. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin and be the leader of your life. Some of you have done that. Ask Him to give you the strength to dare to do something with it, to do something about it, to go into this world and make disciples and do it with joy and peace and confidence. Do you want that? Are you willing to? Ask God to give you strength. We have 10,000 reasons plus for our hearts to fight, to give praise to God and reasons to talk about Him. Ask God today. Come get on your knees and say, God, give me the strength to share with my family, with my friends, with the people where I work, where we hang out, where we live. And next week, be able to come here and say and know in your heart, I've invited others with me. I have shared the hope I have. I've prayed for them. And I'm trusting God to do what only He can do. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now. We have an opportunity to ask you for strength. We only need it if we're going to be serious about doing it. So, Lord, I pray for any who would say today, Lord, I, I want to be faithful to you, your kingdom purpose. I, I, I want to see you do work. There are some here today who need to come and pray for a neighbor or for a friend who doesn't have salvation in you. Some today just want to come and pray for a spiritual awakening. We need a third great awakening in our nation. God, hear those today who just want to come and pray for you to do a, a mighty work in our nation. But, Lord, as your people, we have, we have more reasons than we can imagine. To, to praise you and to thank you. So as we sing of this reality, may it give us cause and reason to live in obedience to you as we go. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.